Hey, family. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We work incredibly hard to identify guests who will help you move forward on your healing journey. So if you are blessed by today's episode, I would love for you to take a moment to subscribe and leave a five-star review. This will help us to reach more people and get this important message of healing out to the world. Thank you in advance for your support and enjoy today's episode. Sister here, Jocelyn, and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time tuning in, we welcome you. We're so excited that you're here, and we want you to know that we are committed to helping you strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and discover a sense of community to help you to know that you're not alone on your healing journey. We also have a team of counselors who are prepared and ready to serve you. They specialize in Bible-based trauma-informed care and grief counseling, and just essentially helping you to get through the painful events in life. So you can learn more about all of our services by visiting faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. Now for today's episode, I'm really excited to bring to the show a special guest uh, who has experienced and overcome a lot of obstacles in his younger years. He is actually uh, someone who is an alumni of the foster care system, and he and his wife have done amazing things in this area to help inspire people to move forward with victory. So he is a recent graduate, an author, and a business owner. He is also a co-founder with his wife, Alexis, of Rose Empowerment Group, which stands for Rising Over Societal Expectations. Justin, Justin and his wife also recently released his new book called Redefining Normal, How Two Foster Care Kids Beat the Odds and Discovered Healing, Happiness, and Love. And he shares his story all over the world. And so we're so excited to welcome you to the show, Justin. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. And I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you, Justin. So I would love to talk about uh, just your story growing up. If you can share with uh, the audience, what was life like as a child? Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. If you don't know, uh, growing up in Detroit, pretty much my entire life up until the age of 18 and 19 years old before I went to college. And with that, um, I entered the foster care system at nine years old. And it was largely due to what I believe was a lot of mental health issues being passed down in my family unintentionally. And uh, it was domestic violence on my dad's side of the family generationally and drug abuse on my mom's side of the family. And for me, that leaves me kind of stuck in the middle of the two. But um, entering the foster care system at nine years old, I lived with family temporarily for a couple of years and a transition to another family member and it kind of bouncing around the system for just a little bit of time until I landed into a group home around the age of, I would say, 16 to 17. And in this group home setting, uh, it was really funded by the church. They provided tutors, mentors, and so many people from the church that was really inspiring and helping me be the person that I needed to be not only for myself, but for others and for my family as well to kind of create a new legacy and uh, a new a way of thinking for myself, for my family, as well as my community. So they provided mentors, um, tutors, people helped me learn how to drive and so many small things that really, really helped me become the adult that I am today. So that's just a little bit about my background. I fast forward a lot, which I'm sure we'll dig into a little more, but um, yeah, just a little bit about my history of who I am. 
All right. Yes. So I would love to have you spend a little bit more talking about some of the challenges that you might have had going into the foster care system and how it might have impacted you emotionally. Yeah, definitely. So for youth who experience the foster care system, for every single uh, child that enters the foster care system, many of us ask similar questions such as, why weren't my parents there for me? Or why didn't my, my parents love me enough to keep me? And a lot of us kind of ask this question out of maybe ignorance sometimes because we don't know what our parents were dealing with. We don't know what they had to deal with. So uh, that's kind of where I was entering the foster care system. Why didn't my parents love me? Why weren't they there for me? And I think for myself, a lot of other foster care youth and for my wife, Alexis, she kind of had to deal with the, the question because um, unfortunately she lost her mom to suicide at six. And she uh, in, went to live with her father, her biological father, full time, which she experienced a lot of abuse. And she entered the system at 13 years old. So for her, she felt, I'm sure for her and many other people who are in similar circumstances where they have a parent that they lost to suicide, they ask themselves these questions of, did my mom not love me enough? Did they abandon me? And all these questions that are filled with youth entering the system. And for a lot of us, we don't get those questions answered, but we have to progress through and understand, um, understand our role and who we are in life outside of the decisions that have been made by our parents. But for me, I would say it was a lot of work, uh, feeling worthless throughout my time because I was asking myself, why didn't my parents, uh, why weren't they there for me? Why didn't they want to visit me? Because we live in the same city pretty much my entire time in care. So, it was a sense of, of worthlessness that I felt throughout my teenage years and my childhood. To, and it was almost unshakable to a point where it really started to destroy me from the inside out. Wow. Yeah. I appreciate you being very candid about that struggle because I know a number of other individuals who either were adopted or went into the foster care system have struggled with those same emotions. And so I would love for you to talk briefly about um, how did your faith in God play a role in helping you to write a new narrative as it relates to who you were um, and then some things that you might have done to work on your own personal healing? Yeah, of course. So that kind of ties into the concept of redefining normal because so many of our, our lives and family history and the culture which you grew up in, so much of that uh, becomes uh, normal. And that normal is a lot of times outside of God's way of thinking, God's perspective, and the way that king, the, the kingdom operates. So for, for me, I had to understand that, okay, the, the unhealthy patterns of either my family, community, of society that was put on me before I was even born, I had to go through the process of identifying, okay, is this something I wanna choose and continue? Or is this something that I would like to stop with me? And for many people, I don't want it to seem like super easy, but for a lot of people, they feel stuck and they deal with these insecurities that are buried deep within them, that they feel like they don't deserve God's love. They feel like they don't deserve to be um, taken care of or so many other things. And to be honest with you, <laughs> none of us deserve God's grace and mercy, but God still gave that to us. And there's nothing we can do to work for. But it's really about accepting God's grace and mercy and accepting that. You know, we are all flawed and we all have issues and problems that we need to deal with. And it's only God's love and mercy that can help us and save us. And for me, I think it was really realizing that 
okay, if God, like I refer back to Matthew 6, 33, if you seek first the kingdom, you know, pretty much everything will be taken care of and you don't need to worry. So God, you're telling me that if I seek you first, I don't have to worry about food. I don't have to worry about money. I don't have to worry about the issues that of my parents and their relationship and all these other things. You're telling me if I seek you first, you'll take care of that. And I really had to rely on the promises of God to really get me through and really rely on that with all my heart. And that's really what got me where I am today. Amen. That's good. That's great. And I, I'm curious when you talked about redefining normal, uh, there's a lot of things that people might've said that aren't normal or that you should not do as it relates to the relationship that you have with your wife. Um, I'm curious is if there were some naysayers out there as it relates to you all being able to make it as a couple, did you experience that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, me and my wife, we are interracial couples. So that was kind of a an element that had to be, it was, a, it was a complicated element for a lot of people to, to understand. The people who loved us, who were there for us, not at all. It, was, it wasn't it was something to understand, but really who we were foundationally were men and women of God. So that was most important. But I think it started to show a lot of true colors in a lot of different situations where um, I remember a specific example where um, during our engagement or the, the day we announced our engagement, we I actually flew to Ecuador where she was studying abroad to fly down and surprise her and propose to her. And I proposed to her. And the next day I woke up and announced it on uh, social media, received a lot of hate and a lot of attack from family members on social media, not, not multiple, but certain family members on social media. And I thought to myself, like, man, I'm, I'm welcoming my wife into a situation where there's a lot of attack and, and, and hatred and, it, it wasn't the the godliness uh it wasn't the godliness in us that was highlighted it was the worldliness in us that was um that was attacked and how we were divided and, and it was so much in that situation that really threw me off and threw my mind off and and really these are what really threw me off the most is that these are family members who proclaim to be uh men and women of god and it really broke my heart to see that and to, to see what was going on in the situation. So it was a lot of things that we had to process going through, but really our faith helped us prevail through it all and really identifying um, who is in the body of Christ with us. And sometimes your biological family and the people that you love, you know, they may not exactly be within the body or, or be within your community, within your family that you consider. So it was really a lot to process during that situation of defining who is in my family and community and who's not. Yeah, that's a lot, uh, especially uh, when marriage is hard to begin with uh, and mm -hmm. you have external pressures that are not as supportive. And so I'm sure that was another element that you all had to heal from and, and work through. And I, I want to spend some time talking about your healing journeys, because mm -hmm. as you mentioned, your your wife, Alexis, is also a alumni of the foster care system. And mm -hmm. so, so I'm sure that you all had your own unique paths to work through as it relates to your healing. And so I would like for you to spend a little time talking about that. Yeah, of course. So people who um, maybe not even just foster care, but people who have trauma, a lot of us seek relationships to kind of solve our problems. And what I've heard one pastor say is we look for human beings to fill those God holes in our heart. And those are only holes and different, different things within us that can be fixed by God. And we, we seek 
human validation. We seek love from other human beings and we go into relationships that can fulfill us. And I think initially when me and Alexis got together, we attempted to do that. You know, she would, she was going to counseling on her own and I had bad experiences with counselors that I just couldn't relate to who seemed disinterested when I was a child. So when I became a young adult, I'm like, no, I don't really, I don't really care to go to counseling because I don't think it works. So early on in our relationship, she asked me like, you know, have you thought about going to counseling? Because she was, and I was like, you know, I don't need counseling. You are my counselor. You know, I don't need a counselor. And she looked at me like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like you, I, I can't be a counselor. No, I can't. I don't have the skills to really help you walk through what you're going, going through. I can't help you as a young man, especially as a young black man, uh, progressing through the things that you're going through in your mind and society. You need other strong black men around you who can help you and support you. And I think that that was a huge and very honorable of my wife, especially being someone who is white, like to acknowledge that even though you're in an interracial relationship, that you still need a strong community around you strong black men around you, strong Christian men around you that can help and support you. So that was the progress. That was the process of I started to surround myself with other uh, black men who are Christian and, and other amazing mentors and my counselor and everything and really getting involved in that and tr trying to have my own community and not just someone who I can rely on being my partner. Of course, I could rely on her as well, but I have a counselor that I can go to. I have mentors that I can go to and really working on my mental and emotional health and filling myself up uh, spiritually so I can contribute to my partner in a healthy way. That's extremely important. And you are blessed to have someone in your life who um, challenged you to, to get the additional support that you needed. Uh, because yes, your partner wants to walk alongside of you, but they can't fill that role of uh, what a counselor can do. And even more importantly, I hope you all heard that tweet that you just said, uh, your partner can fill a, a God-sized hole. I love that because there's certain things that only God can do in your life. And so I think that's an important lesson that we all can take away from this. So um, I'm curious as to, as you began your counseling journey, what did you learn about certain things that were impacting your current relationship that was related to issues from childhood? Yeah, definitely. I, I would say one of the biggest things that was impacting me uh, previously that continued to really impact me as an adult was my emotional connection to certain things. Um, I remember even as a child, you know, when I was released into the foster care system, there was this emotional connection to my parents where I had to really think about like they were, I, I had this on my heart where they weren't there for me. They didn't love me. They never supported me. And I, I throughout my life, I accomplished a lot. You know, I started to do internships in Washington, DC. I started to travel abroad and study abroad in different countries and everything. And every single thing that I was accomplishing, I would go back to my parents, like, see, I did this, I did that. And in my heart, it was like, are you proud of me? Are you proud of me? And they never really, or at least what I felt that they never really showed that they loved me and supported me, even though they were there to me, there for me to an extent, I never really felt like they were there for me and really loved me. So in college, when I was in a relationship with Alexis, um, I felt like this emotional connection to my parents and my happiness directly being tied to what others will or, or wouldn't do for me really damaged me in, a, uh, in so many different ways. But it really got to a point where I had to first forgive my parents for certain things that they've done and 
as well ask for other people's forgiveness because what they done to me and how I took that out on other people. So the pro the progression moving forward was was in counseling with my my counselor really helped me to recognize that listen my parents have issues that they may not even realize and have certain things that they may need help with also. So I have to give them grace and mercy. So as I started to forgive my parents and forgive people who done me wrong and ask for people to forgive me as well that I done wrong as, as well, I started to really break those emotional chains to where people, if my parents did or didn't visit me or whatever it was, I wouldn't feel so emotionally uh, connected to that or feel sad because they didn't come visit me or, or call me or whatever it was. So once I started to break that chain, I started to see uh, my relationship with God get better, how that was blocking my relationship with God, that that unforgiveness, how that started to help my relationship with myself as well as with my partner and so many different things like that. So I would challenge people to dig deep into those insecurities and to see who are you still holding a grudge against? Who are you still uh, um, who are you having a problem with forgiving? And it could be people who honestly hurt you, who could uh, seriously damage you. And for, for myself and also even with Alexis, you know, she had family members hurt her as well and forgiving her mother and forgiving her father for abusing her for years that led to her entering the foster care system. We both had to go through that progress, go through that process of forgiveness to people who maybe have hurt us the worst and understand that they have things that they have, are still dealing with and have never dealt with. So forgiving them and asking God for grace and mercy really opened the doors for us um, and building our relationship with God, with ourselves and with each other. That's that's huge. And when you said breaking the chains, I, I had a visual there because that's exactly what unforgiveness does. It keeps you bounded. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of freedom in that. And I'm sure that process did not happen overnight. It might have been a lot of tears, a lot of possibly curse words, whatever. I'm putting words out there. But I mean, it, it's tough when you are uh -huh. really struggling with um forgiving someone who's hurt you deeply, but it's, it's, it's worth it. And it's something mm -hmm. also that, that God um, tells us that we need to do. Yeah. Oh man, you, you hit it right on the, right on the head. Really. It's not an overnight thing. And I think that for those who live in trauma or who, who going through that process, it's so many people who ask me this question on different podcasts on different shows. Like what was the light bulb moment that really changed everything for you? And there is no light bulb moment. You know, there is a realization, yes, that, that happens. Maybe there's a slight turning point. But every single day is a is a hill that we're climbing up, is a is a battle that we're going against, a mountain that we're trying to move. Like for me, I have to be aware that there are generations of addiction in my family. I have to realize that and understand, like, when I'm depressed, when I'm angry, I can't turn to alcohol. I can't turn to drugs because I know that type of stuff runs in my family. It doesn't even have to be alcohol or drugs. It has to be nothing should be replacing God when I'm when I'm angry, when I'm depressed, when I'm sad. Nothing should be my go to in those situations other than God. So it's like a progress where you have to go through these emotions. And as you go through those emotions, what do you turn into? What's your go to? Is it drugs? Is it some type of pornography? Whatever it is, is it, is it lust? Whatever it is. You have to replace that with God and, and use God as the person or the thing that's really going to help you progress uh, to overcome those things. And one of my favorite things that scripture says is the renewing of your mind is, is so important. 
and and going through that process of renewing your mind really is daily on a daily basis putting the word of god into your brain into your heart and going through that process of renewing your mind um so that really is the progress and the the road that we're we're following trying to on a daily basis put the word of god into your life into your heart on your lips on your mind and then you will start to progressively grow on a daily basis and that's the progress and that's the the road that i had to take as well as alexis yeah that's 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 great uh, that you were able to get to this place in your journey because I, I'm watching how you went through these struggles and now where God has taken you in terms of the work that you're doing for the kingdom. And I, I would like uh, to fast forward to uh, what you're you're doing now. And it, specifically, I want to talk about your book. Like, how did this happen? Where did this idea to write a book come from? And just kind of tell us about your journey there. Yeah, of course. I'm glad you asked. So it, a funny story behind the book. I mean, with Alexis, there have been uh, her, our pastor told us, you know, you need to write a book, you know, you need to write a book. And, and because our story is so crazy and uh, things we've overcome, but more or less uh, how we progress forward and how we use God as a center focus of overcoming. So Really, it was in 2019 when we started to kind of outline the book and detail it and, and think about it. But, you know, we, we started to write it out and think about it. But for me, that was 2020 was my senior year. And I wanted to fly to South Africa and really finish my, my university studies or finish um, my time in school, my undergrad years in South Africa for my last semester. So I went to South Africa to study abroad. And Alexis actually came with me to volunteer and to uh, focus on her other business that she was doing. So we came to South Africa and we were th thinking about writing a book and, and trying to get it together, but we really didn't have time because I was in classes and she was kind of doing her own thing in South Africa. So really didn't have time to write a book. But as you know, the pandemic hit in 2020. So we were emergency evacuated, crazy situation in March, 2020. And as we were emergency evacuated, uh, we had to quarantine outside of her adoptive parents' house. Uh, <laughs> we had to quarantine outside their house, and we quarantined in her RV. And uh, what was crazy was um, we went through the process during lockdown of really writing the book and figuring it out because if it wasn't for her adoptive parents, which they truly, her adoptive parents truly showed me the love of God. And I, I don't think I fully understood what it meant, what it meant to, to have the love of God within you until meeting them. And they didn't want rent from me. They didn't want me to contribute any food or anything. But they really just wanted to give me a space, a safe space with security to really focus in on myself and who I am and, and focus in on God. So I we took that time. We applied for like 200 jobs during that time. And we didn't get nothing, understandably, because of, of, of the pandemic. But really, we, we sat down and said, you know what? This is our time to write our book. This is our time to figure things out. So... With that being said, we started writing our book in March 2020. We published it in November 2020, um, and we became best-selling authors. And uh, it's really been a blessing. But uh, even more than that, it's just the feedback we've gotten from different people about how uh, wives have told their husbands things that they never told them before about, you know, it's been so many things in my past that have held me down and really crushed me that I haven't been able to tell my partner. And because of your story, I've been able to tell them. And people telling me, you know, because after reading your book, now I want to write, start writing my book and you've inspired me to do that. So 
Now we've turned Redefining Normal into a company where we do workshops, presentations, and trainings around the country, teaching different methods of reducing trauma within individuals' lives, families, communities, institutions, and uh, doing a personal and professional development as well around the country, doing keynote speeches, workshops, trainings, you name it, and fortunate enough to become Forbes Next 1000 2021 entrepreneurs. And it's just been a blessing from God the entire time from experiencing homelessness throughout my childhood. Um, in my childhood, living in abandoned houses and living in houses, no heat, no water, and all these things, uh, living in, in environments with uh, uh, just the worst things imaginable to being a best-selling author, the first in my immediate family to get married, the first in my immediate family to graduate college, to be a homeowner, and the list goes on and on. It's not something that I can't take credit for at all. It's all because of the grace and mercy of God. Let me tell you something, Justin. You almost got me shouting backstage over here <laughs> just to see what God is doing in your life. This is amazing. And I would love for you to just talk a little bit more about some of the lessons, key points that you shared in your book. And if you can highlight some of the healing principles that you talk about in Redefining Normal. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a step process. So number one, um, the process of writing Redefining Normal really went into, okay, who am I individually? And what are my core principles and values? And really thinking about legacy building on an individual level, what are my core principles and values from an individual level? And then going from there, and then thinking about, okay, when I meet my partner, or I have a partner, what are going to be the foundational things in our relationship that we'll pass down to the next generation? And then really focusing in on how does me and my partner, how we, how are we building something that will influence the next three to four to five generations. So really focusing in on number one, your mental health and where you are and and where you are just doing a self-check mentally, emotionally, spiritually, where you are in those different areas and categories. And number two, as I seek out a partner, you know, we all want somebody who is attractive, who is amazing, and who is the 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 full, you know, everything we want. But really focusing in on is this person going to be a good mother to my children? Is this person going to be a good father? Or uh, uh, how how is this person going to influence the next generation? Are they going to be a good father or mother? How are they going to raise our children? And really be intentional about legacy building um, and, and really trying to understand how is the culture that I'm building going to influence the world around me? Are we building up change makers? Are we building up people who are going to follow the, the status quo and the statistics that are set before them, especially for um, black men? And we within the book, we label different things like um, before each chapter, uh, we have the statistics like one in three black men go to jail or prison. Uh, 50 percent of foster youth graduate from high school. Um, only three percent of foster youth graduate from college. But then we follow that up with, OK, I am made in the image of God. I am uh, foreign to my mother's womb and all these things that God is telling us as opposed to what the world is telling us. And it's really um, helping us identify what's set before us. And then what does God have for us? That is huge. I, I really would love for you to spend a little bit more time there because I think in the process of uh, rewriting our narrative, rewriting the narrative that society might have for us and then coming back and looking at what God says, how essential is doing that work and knowing um, what God says about you? How important is that in the healing process? It's, it's everything because uh, so many people have told us 
who we are and what we are meant to be. But are we going to our creator and asking him what does he think of us? And I think that, I mean, unfortunately, because so many parents and people around us who have experienced trauma, they've been let down. So if you've been put down by your father, then you're going to put down your child and they're going to put down their child. And that's just how you're going to build up the culture and identity. But really, you're going to people who are not your creator. Yes, your mother and father are a huge influence on you. But even your mother and father has the responsibility of being a conduit of the word of God going into you. So uh, if they're not being a conduit of the word of God going into you, then they're telling you something that uh, it, what the world thinks about you and uh, other things that are outside the word, the word of God. So we need to be relying on our creator to really tell us who we are and what we should be doing. And if we're seeking anything outside of our creator to tell us who we are and what we're doing, then we're not pleasing God's will and we're not seeking God and we're not uh, living up to what God has for us. Amen to that. And uh, for someone who has gone through significant amount of trauma, whether it's homelessness, whether it's abandonment, whether, whatever has taken place in your life, what words of encouragement do you have for them today? Yeah, so one thing that's really been in my heart lately is, is being desperate for God. You know, I listed out, you know, a few accomplishments that I've been able to do, best-selling author, keynote speaker, whatever, whatever. But no matter where you are in life, whether you are on the top of the mountain or you're on the bottom of the mountain, God wants us all desperate for him. And God rewards those that are desperate for him. And it really touched me when I started reading the Bible. And it's like, why are why is Jesus always seeking people who are vulnerable and seeking people who maybe have leprosy or blind or whatever it is? Because those are the most desperate in society, the, the ones who need him the most. So no matter where you are in life, uh, number one, I would encourage you to uh, seek God and be desperate for God. Number two, I will also encourage you to um, understand what God what God has put inside of you. Every God has put something inside every single person. And what God has put inside you, he's put those things in you to solve a problem in the world. And once you solve those problems in the world and you follow God's will, you're really uh, contributing to God's people. So God has put something in each and every one of us to help solve the problems in the world. And if we hold if we hold back from that, if we let our situation and things we're dealing with hold us down and really not express our skills, talents, abilities to the world that God has given us, then you're robbing the world of what they need to prosper. If I didn't put this book out and, and wasn't vulnerable enough and open my heart up enough to share with the world, then there'll be thousands of people who weren't inspired to write their book, to share their story or to progress, just get by another day. So as you think about the situation that you're in, know that God put something in you to not only help you, but to serve God's people and serving God's people uh, is the best position to be in. Yes, it is. And you said so much there. And I'm I'm thinking about how you have been able to use your story to touch uh, the lives of so many. And some people might be listening and saying, hey, I can't write. I ain't, I'm not going to write a book. But how can they still um, use uh, possibly their testimony or um, they don't even necessarily have to share all those details. But how can what they've gone through be used uh, for good to help others? Mm hmm. So first, I would say, I mean, anything, just look at your word of God and see 
Uh, what is God leading you to? I mean, I can give you advice on different ways, but first and foremost, always seek God's advice and seek guidance from the Holy Spirit on ways you can um, share your story or be inspired or continue to inspire others. There's speaking, there's writing, there's art with music and so many other ways to do that. There is it's a, it's a bunch of different platforms that you can share to either share your story to inspire others. But I will always encourage you to seek uh, God in prayer and ask for his wisdom, ask for his guidance when going about what you should do in life and how you should share more of yourself. Amen. And I love that because sometimes uh, God's not calling you to tell all the details of your story, but through like a music or poem or whatever the case may be, you still can express your story and encourage and connect with others. And so I think that's, that's the perfect answer for that. And I also uh, want to point out that you and your wife did not let your trauma define you. You did not mm -hmm. let it put limits on what God can do in your life. It's almost as if you gave it to God and said, God, I'm going to allow you to use this mess that the world tried to throw at me for something greater. And so that's just so inspiring. I just wanted to, to say that to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. And that's, that's the goal. We have to use uh, what the world try to tell us as bad and evil about us and then give it to God and see how God uses it. And you'll be surprised every time. Yes, you will. And I see on our website that uh, on our, our, our banner, we have your website listed here. Uh, mm -hmm. And so um, tell us what we can find there. So, yeah, what coming to our website, we want you to join the Redefining Normal movement. You can see me with some Redefining Normal swag right now. So we want you to join the movement. Um, join the movement. Go to our website. You can get merch. Uh, you can buy one of our books, the Redefining Normal book, which you can kind of see right here. You can get um, the companion guide. So with the companion guide, um, it goes hand in hand with the book. So with the Redefining Normal book we have, it talks a lot about our story and our testimony and what we've been through, which you can learn a lot about and learn a lot from. But with the companion guide, it challenges you to go through the redefining normal process yourself, challenging you to your core principles and values and who you are. So we encourage that. Um, we have our audiobook out as well, which is narrated by us. So you hear our voices and you, we take you through those rooms uh, that we've been through during our uh, triumph as well as our trauma. So uh, grab the audiobook, some merch, a book, and then, or you can book us for one of the, your events coming up to speak, to train uh, your staff, your organization, whatever it may be. We want to give you those resources uh, you have and join the movement. Awesome. You are doing some amazing things, Justin. And I just appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. And I tell you all, they're busy. They're touring all over. <laughs> so I appreciate you making time to share with our guests today. You have truly uh, been you. a blessing. No, thank you so much. And uh, everybody, um, feel free to stay in contact with us and uh, just continue to redefine normal in your life. Amen. Yes. And I think that this broadcast has been such a blessing to to all of us because we can't let other people define what normal is uh, for us. They might have cast you out. They might have said that you can't make it. But clearly, uh, God has another plan. And so, uh, again, thank you, Justin, for that incredible message today. I know it's been such a blessing uh, to those who are listening. And I hope that this is not your last time tuning in. Uh, if you all have been blessed by today's episode, please check us out weekly. 
week after week as we try to find guests from all over to encourage you on your healing journey. Also, please be sure to visit our website, which is faithonthejourney.org. There you can find a number of healing resources to support you, including a Christian counselor, which we were talking about today. So please be sure if you enjoyed this episode to not only subscribe, but leave a five-star review and share it with everyone you know. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube. And so we're on various platforms to make sure that we get this important message out to the world. But thank you again for tuning in and we can't wait to see you next time. But until then, you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon, family.